Speaking of technology, there was a time when I when you know, when I had to have a Bible with a leather cover and pages and so forth. Now I just put a little electronic device up here and uh, preach from that. It uh, reminds me of when uh, we went to go visit some of Christie's relatives and we went to a church. And it was a Baptist church where parents like to go to. And, and boy, they had some ushers that were diligent in their duties. And uh, they wanted to make sure everybody had a Bible. And, and I had my tablet with my Bible app on it and everything. And those ladies swooped over there on me. And they were intent on getting a Bible in my hand. And I, and I tried to show them. I said, no, I got the Bible right here. And she gave me that look. And she, and she let me know, no, there ain't no Bible. Here, you take this. And, so, <laughs> and I was like, yes, ma'am. I will, I will take said, I will take said Bible, uh, <laughs> with gladness. <laughs> so, uh, well, praise the Lord. Um, you know, the, I am, I echo what some have said already. I am so thankful to God for this church body, um, uh, for my darling wife, the love of my life that, uh, God truly gifted me with and our, uh, four daughters, uh, two of which lead the worship here. Um, wow, God has truly blessed me. And so um, you guys are fully aware. I started here October of 2019, and uh, we shared that vision of uh, God, a corrective uh, vision God's going to give us for 2020. And like Mrs. Cannon said, uh, our expectation was a lot different than what we got. But, but, you know, this has been an opportunity for corrective vision. You know, there's oftentimes God has to shake the tree. He has to do things or allow things to happen that will get our attention, to get us out of the, the routine and the malaise that has become our lives. And we don't even realize that sometimes we take certain things for granted and we get a little apathetic about the things of God even. And all of a sudden something comes up, turns our apple cart upside down, and we're like, whoa, what's going on here? And, and if we're wise, we'll get on our knees and we'll go to God and say, okay, God, what are you saying in this moment? What, what is the meaning of this? What is it that you are requiring of me? And how should I proceed? And I believe, of course, that the news will report the salacious things that happen and the and the uh, the bad things that happen. But in the midst of all this, I believe that there has been uh, a resurgence in family, in relationship. Um, a kind of a reassessing of what ma really matters in this life. You know, we've gotten, we've elevated some petty stuff and some things that really are uh, not lasting. And when you see those things fold and crumble, that, 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 that causes you to want to grab a hold of something that can be an anchor for you, that can be a firm foundation for you. And we know who that is. Amen. That the Lord, he is our firm foundation. And so uh, this has given us opportunity to reestablish and, and develop a, a deeper and more intimate relationship with the Lord. 
and to uh, establish more and better relationships with one another. And to that extent, I'd say 2020, you know, ha- uh, is a good thing in that it accomplished, in that through that, we've accomplished those things. Amen? Well, um, I only need about an hour and a half of your time, so... Uh, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to have you go to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be, this is our main text, uh, Matthew 5 verses 13 to 16. And uh, we'll get right in it and, uh, and, and we'll move along. As you, many of you know, we've been going through the parables of Jesus. Um, my goodness. For a little over a month, uh, we've been going over the parables of Jesus, and and uh, we're going to continue to park there as long as uh, God wants me to. And and uh, I believe I believe we've really been spoken to out of these parables. The parables of Jesus, salt and light. Verse thirteen reads, and I'm reading out of the ESV. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. I want you to know that in Christ, you, we are the salt of the earth. If you are a believer, if you are a disciple of Christ, you are to be salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So you are the salt of the, the, uh, of the earth. Disciples are like salt. And if we go back in the Bible times, Salt was tremendously valuable, okay? Which means you are of great value. You are a treasure. You are precious. There is something in you of God. There is a light in you. There is something in you that makes you valuable. Are you hearing me? You've been born again. The life of God dwells on the inside of you. The Spirit of God is in you. Are you hearing me? I know we have a lot of people out for Thanksgiving. And I don't know if y'all had an early start on your turkey. But, you know, let's let's have some energy. If there's an amen needed, amen me, all right? Praise God. Now, I'm not... I don't need it. I just want I want to know you're with me. All right. But it was a valuable commodity. 
people were sometimes paid with it. Are you hearing me? People were sometimes paid with salt. You know, that's kind of where the originate, that was the origination of the uh, term worth his salt. Someone is, are, are they worth his salt? We're like salt. And think about salt. Salt adds flavor. Oh, don't give me any bland meat, man. I, 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 I got to have my, I got to have my food seasoned, man. Give me some salt. Give me some pepper. Uh, give me some Cajun spices or something. I, 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 I want to have some flavor. Light, light these taste buds up. I don't want any bland stuff. All right? And so, but I, I don't want to park there too much, but I, I want to get into this. What are some of the properties of salt? The two I want to talk about is, one, it's, it's flavor. And, I, and what is that? The thing I want to bring out for us as, as, as believers in Christ, what did Christ say? That if we're to follow him, we are to be his disciples, right? We need to take up his cross and follow him, all right? And so we are his disciples. And so when Christ said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. He said, Philip, when Philip says, show us the father, he said, have I been so long with you and yet you have not seen me? When you've seen me, you've seen the father. In other words, I am the representation, okay, of the father. I don't deviate from him. I am a witness, a true witness of the father. And you know what? Jesus calls us to be a true witness of his. In word, in thought, in attitude, in deed, that we are to exemplify the Savior, the Lord and Savior of our lives. Okay? Uh, not to get in the flesh and, and, and talk any kind of way and, and, and behave in dishonest and, and ungodly ways. And then, oh, praise Jesus. But what he's saying in this short passage, your light, your salt. I think the, the 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 overriding theme of that is that, hey, you've been called to be a witness. And in this salt and in this light is representative of how you are supposed to be a witness for the Lord. Be salt. Let the flavor of godliness emanate from your life. How do you think about the unbeliever? How do you think about the lost? Do you look upon them with the mind of Christ? Or are we looking at them with carnal eyes? Are we praying that God touches their hearts and reaches them? And that the love of God comes in that darkness where they're at and invades their hearts and, and woos them unto himself? Or are we praying for God to wipe them out? When we're in conflict with one another, when somebody just really ticks you off, what do you do with that? Do we give ourselves license to just act any kind of way? Or do we take a moment and say, okay, God, what would you have me do? What does your word say 
about how I should handle that because I don't represent myself. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price, that price being the precious blood of Jesus. Okay? And so, and so, uh, Lord, I don't want to lose my saltiness. I want the flavor of godliness, the godly character of Christ. I want the mind of Christ. I want that godliness. I want you to be able to sprinkle, use me as a condiment in this culture (laughs) in order to sprinkle the flavor of God so that people can see your goodness through my obedience. They can see your goodness through my example. That I can go to them and say, I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm no better than you. I was once walked in darkness. And but by the grace of God, I would still be doing so. But because of his great love and his mercy, I've humbled myself before him and and I've given my heart to him and, and, and I am redeemed and I am a son of God. And so I'm no more, now I'm no more in bondage to sin. I have been set free from its bondage. It does not have mastery over me anymore. I have the liberty to be able to walk in the goodness of God. I can walk holy before God in Christ Jesus. I can forgive. I can love. I can confess my sins and receive forgiveness. I can help bear another's burden. There's so many one another's of scripture and and and, and I'll get to those but but that's one property of salt. It's flavor. And I hope it makes sense to you. Um, the, the, I believe the importance of us doing things God's way, according to God's word, following the example of Christ, is to help prepare people's hearts to be able to receive Jesus. When there are some hard nuts to crack. And and, and 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 we don't look at those people as being wounded people. We don't look at those people in, 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 with hearts of compassion all the time. We look at those people as being people we don't want to deal with. And so we can form judgments of those individuals and we just avoid them. You know what, what Jesus would do? Is he would engage them. Right? He would engage them. If they were a leper, he would engage them. If they were a a publican, a tax collector, he would engage them. If they were an adulterer, he would engage them. Because there was a light that he was endeavoring to let shine before them. He wanted them to know that they mattered. He wanted them to know that, that God loved them, even in their current state. He loved them. And he's reaching out to them to embrace them and bring them unto himself. 
And I believe we need to have that mindset in order for us to be salt, for the flavor of God to emanate from us, that we have to see others as God sees them. Another quality of salt is it's a preservative. They didn't always have refrigerators. Uh, when I was a kid, it was called the ice box. I know some of the younger people are like, what? What's an ice box? But there weren't refrigerators back then, and so to preserve, to keep, to make, to help meat last and 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 not rot as fast, you, you, you put it in salt, and salt acts as a preservative. It still is used as a preservative today, right? And so just think about that in light of the culture that we live in today, that it is prone to decay. Things just keep going from bad to worse. There is a degradation of morality. There is a degradation uh, in our culture, in our society. You know, you know what? We are to be a preservative. I don't expect the world to be godly. But I expect God's people to. Amen? And so I, I expect that as a preservative, we, we are to have a godly influence that in some way acts as a preservative of this society because you know what? The day of judgment is coming. It will come. It's not up to us to be wanting to pray and hasten its coming. No, no, no. Second Peter 3, 9 says, God is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. He's not slack. He's patient. He wants his people to work while it is day, to walk in obedience to him, to go out into the highways and byways and, 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 and declare to people the goodness of God, the gospel of Christ Jesus, in the hope that they would hear the gospel and bow the knee and receive the gift of salvation. But we've got to have clean hearts. We've got to, uh, we got to have the mind of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and see people as in light of uh, their spiritual condition. Are they lost or are they not? If they're lost, they need Jesus. So if we're true to our calling, we're flavorful, and we make the earth a purer and more palatable place. And just think about it. There's one uh, passage, Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And you know, you and I have tasted and seen that he is good. We heard testimonies today of men and women of God that are obeying God and reaching out to people and helping 
fellow brothers and sisters in the church and people who are not of the church. And in their faithful obedience to God, uh, going out and reaching out and helping people in need, that's giving them a taste of the goodness of God. And so I would encourage us to just grab a hold of that and, and, and really, and, and really uh, embrace it. He goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and gives it light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'm going to go to John chapter 1 real quick. Starting at the first verse, and I'm just going to read, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. All right? Let your light so shine. There's a life of God that we're supposed to let shine. With the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, darkness cannot overcome light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not be receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believes in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I want to hurry up and move on here, and I'll just kind of wrap it up a little bit uh, for the lateness of the hour. But let's go, John 14, starting at verse 1. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. I alluded to this earlier. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me 
has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So, you know, Jesus said, you've seen the Father through me. I have conducted myself in total obedience to the Father. I do not deviate from him because I'm not here representing myself as much as I am here representing the Father. And we are challenged as disciples to have the same mindset that Jesus had. We're not here representing our own agenda. We're not here representing ourselves, but we're here as ambassadors for Christ representing him. So when we find ourselves in the challenges of life, when we find ourselves where we have to make a choice, our first consideration should be, what does the word say? That's my, that's my main consideration because my action should be an action of obedience according to God's word of truth. It should be an accurate representation and witness of the Jesus that I proclaim. And that doesn't mean people are going to embrace it and that they're going to wave the pom-poms and congratulate you. Some will be offended by you, but that's okay. They were offended by Jesus. What we have to do is make sure that we're walking in obedience to him. Jesus said two things, and I'll just read these scriptures. John 12, verses 49 and 50 says, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Okay, so his words were the Father's words. And then he said in John 5, verse 19, He said, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. If we're going to remain salty, now I know that means something totally different in today's culture. All right. But if we're going to remain salty, flavorful, if we're going to remain flavorful in God, all right. Uh, good salty, godly salty. So if we're going to remain salty, then then we're going to have to let what God says be true and everything else a lie. God's word be true and my thoughts that contradict it, a lie. I'm going to have to pull those thoughts down and bring them into obedience to the knowledge of Christ. We're going to have to adopt Jesus' attitude uh, toward the toward the Father. What he says is what I will say. What he does is what I will do. Because I don't belong to me. I belong to him.
And again, I didn't give the uh, multimedia booth these verses. See, you're off the hook, Hope, okay? So people won't be looking back there to you to say where these scriptures are at. You know, but I just wanted to, uh, in my home, we practice the one another's of scripture. Uh, not 100%. We have to challenge each other. According to God's word, uh, when we have uh, intense moments of fellowship, we have to find God's word and work our way through it according to his command, right? And so you, I don't know what your various stories are. Some of you, as I said last week, some of you guys have had it good. Your, your parents were godly people. You had a godly home. Your grandparents were godly people. They had a godly home. Your great-grandparents, you come from a heritage of godliness. And all you've known for most of your life is walking with God. And, and, and others of us are on the total opposite end of that spectrum. You know, how we got to God may differ. It doesn't matter as much as the fact that we got to God. Okay, and in God, we are of the same family, right? And how many of you know how we treat one another is a witness and a testimony of the salvation of God and his ability to transform a heart and to transform a life? And so there ought to be a distinction between how the world handles those uh, intense moments of fellowship and how the people of God handle them. We are commanded to love one another. You know, John 13, 34, love one another. We are commanded to be devoted to one another, to honor one another, to build up one another to admonish one another, to serve one another, to bear one another's burdens, and when necessary, to forgive one another. And this one's really going to step on some toes, and maybe y'all might reject that, but we're to even be patient with one another. Just as Christ was, has been patient and continues to be patient with us. You know, I grew up, and I heard, oh, thank you, brother. I guess uh, it got to be addressed, huh? Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I grew up being warned, boy, don't, don't you ever pray for patience. Because the moment you pray for patience, boy, God's going to test you. And I really believed that for a long time. You know, that's something I did not pray for, you know. And you know what? It was, I saw what they meant. As soon as I started praying for patience, man, I had to deal with people who really tested my patience, situations who really tested my patience. And then I'm like, why did I have to pray for patience? They told me not to do that. But the more I read God's scripture, the more I understood that how important it is for my maturity 
There are things, there are ways in which God matures us and wants us to grow that can't happen lest we go through fire and testing, unless we are tried. There, 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 there are characteristics of the Lord. God wants us, wants Christ's likeness to be formed in us, but it can only be formed in us in the crucible. And we just got to get our minds around that. And, and so we ought to embrace that because it ought to encourage our hearts and we ought to rejoice at the idea of being made more in the image of Christ Jesus. And, and you know what? It says that when Jesus was suffering and when he was during the Christ, that he endured the cross, despising his shame for the joy that was set before him. All right? He was able to see that which the cross would produce. And that's a way for us to be reconciled with God. We would be able to be with, in relationship with God. And so it, going through that crucible brought about the greatest gift that we have, the gift of salvation. Right? And so if he could do that for us, then surely we can go through the crucible for him. So be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love. So You know what? Some of us, we've got the speaking the truth part down. But good luck if love is accompanying it. Right? And so it's not, they may be speaking the truth, but it's not palatable. Because I'm hearing, I'm, I'm hearing judgment. I'm hearing condemnation. You're speaking the truth to me, but what are you trying to accomplish with that truth? Are you trying to reach my heart? Because really, isn't that the objective? We're trying to, we're trying to reach people's hearts, right? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourself. Uh-oh. And I'm going to, I'm, wrap, I'm wrapping up here. But encourage one another, comfort one another, exhort one another. Spur each other on toward love and good works. All of this stuff is what we should be displaying in the body amongst ourselves. And that should flow out of the body into the communities, into the various spheres of influence that each of us has. And if we do those things, then we're being true witnesses of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? When he walked the face of this earth, he did those things. Why do people embrace him and not the Pharisees? What did he do differently that resonated so well with people? Well, he didn't look at them as us versus them. He didn't look at them as less than. He saw them as lost children of God. He saw them as those whom Jesus, whom the Father loves, right? He saw them 
He saw the value and he, 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 he made sure that they knew that God valued them. You see, the law, their inability to live the law in a perfect way, they already stood condemned before the law and they thought that there was no chance for them before God. Yet Jesus comes and says, you know what, even in your brokenness, even in your shame, even in the sinful life that you've been living, you've not been walking with God, God still loves you and God wants relationship with you. And here, and it's available to you. But you're going to have to humble yourself. You can't earn it. Works won't get you there. You're just going to have to humble yourself and say, God, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. And I, you know, and Lord, uh, I bow the knee to you and accept Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's a gift that you have to humble yourself to receive. But it is a gift available to you. Despite your performance, it's available to you. That's what he did. He ate with people the Pharisees wouldn't be caught dead with. He told a uh, dishonest tax collector in front of the whole crowd. Zacchaeus, I'm going to come and dine in your house tonight. Why would he do that? Everybody in that crowd knew what kind of man he was. But Jesus knew that his heart was ready to receive him. Jesus knew that he had heard the message of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, and his heart was convicted, and his heart was soft towards God, and he so wanted to be accepted by God. He sure hoped that this gospel message applied to him, and, 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 and that this salvation that he's talking about is available to even someone like him. And, 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 and there were a lot of people there that thought, no, this dude is too far gone. But Jesus, very intentionally, very deliberately, all these people are here to hear me. All these people are here hoping to, to get favor from me. And yet, I'm going to call you out. Sinner man, I'm coming to dwell in your house. And I'm going to dine with you. I'm going to give you the honor that any of these people would want. And that's the Jesus that we serve. You may be a Zacchaeus. You may be a, 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 a sinner ten times over. There may have been people that have counted you as a lost cause. Promises that you've made and broken. Over and over and over again. Maybe you even considered yourself a lost cause. I'm here to tell you that you are not a lost cause. I'm here to tell you that you are beloved of God and that Jesus Christ is here saying, let me in. I want to come and dine with you. I want to come and fellowship with you. I want a deeper and more intimate relationship with you. Will you humble yourself and let me in? 
Will you humble yourself and embrace my salvation and my lordship, says the Lord. Will you humble yourself, take upon you my yoke, for my burden is easy, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand. This is a little bit a little bit rushed, but uh, I just trust that God, uh, despite the imperfections of the vessel, spoke to each of you what you needed to hear. The admonition in the parable today, I just wanted to emphasize being a true witness for Jesus. Be salt. The flavor of godliness emanating from your life. Be used of God to be a preservative in our community, in our society. Let your light shine. There's a light, Jesus, the light of the, the, the light of eternal life. Let that light shine. Emanate from you. He didn't give it to you to hide it. He gave it to you to let it shine in such a way that people would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And some of you might not think you have a light or that your light is not as, is not very bright. You know what? I just want to declare that a lie from the pit of hell. Don't you believe it? If you have proclaimed Christ Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life. All right? You have eternal life. And there is light in you that should shine in the darkness. And so I want to, as everyone here stands, and as God has dealt with you where you're at, uh, there may be some here, I'm going to open up the altar here and just ask you to come up if you have need of prayer or encouragement or if you, uh, if you have any need, I would have you to come up, particularly if you don't know Jesus. If you stood judged and condemned and felt yourself unworthy of Jesus because you've made mistake after mistake after mistake, you have judged yourself according to your works and you have deemed yourself unworthy, I want to let you know that none of us were worthy according to our works. We were all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why God sent Jesus.
If you don't know Jesus this morning, don't pass up this wonderful and precious opportunity to get to know him. If he's not Lord and Savior of your life, then now is the time. for salvation. If you're not sure or certain, you're looking at your works, your actions, then here's an opportunity to get certain. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. Or maybe you need encouragement today. You've had a setback. You need a word from the Lord. I believe God's faithful to give it to you. Father, I just lift up these people to your Lord and I just thank you that for the work that you're doing in each and every life. Father, you've spoken to us through prayer. You've spoken through us to, uh, through worship. You've spoken to us through the word. And Father, we know that you've begun a good work in each and every one of us and you'll be faithful to complete it. And so, uh, so Father, we just yield to you and in those who would need to come, Father, I just pray that they hear your voice, your still small voice, and that they honor you and obey you to just come to do what is you to what you have exhorted them to do. Let your grace be upon us, Lord. Praise the Lord. So, Father God, I thank you for each and every one here today, Lord. Uh, I ask you to bless everyone, Lord, where they're at. Let you be present in, let them see your presence in their situations where they're at. That they may be in the fire, but you're in the fire with them. They may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death but you're there with them and you'll comfort them and you will be for them all that they need and Father we just pray that you be glorified above all in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah I would uh the invitation is continued to uh, is, is continues to be open. Um, as I've always said, uh, the rest of you, um, the service is dismissed. If you would fellowship, I would ask that you would fellowship out in the hall, um, and just allow those whom the Lord may still be speaking to, and and uh, any ministry present to be to go on unhindered. In other words, the Lord bless you. <laughs>